It's been quite a summer for me. Been pretty exciting. I wanted to tell you a couple of quick announcements. We won't be meeting the next two Wednesdays, the 6th and the 13th. There will be no Wednesday night service here. On the 20th, we'll start back up. Awanas will be going and Pastor D will be back. So I'm excited to get to hear him at it again. Uh, and the other announcement tonight after we're done, ice cream. Woohoo! <laughs> Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we consider it the grandest of privileges that you saw fit to give your son that we might be made clean and whole that you might redeem us and adopt us it's awesome wonderful incredible Stunning. We worship you, O Lord. And tonight we ask that uh, as we consider how we can spend time with you, Lord, would you open our eyes? Please guide my thoughts and my words, and by your Spirit, enlighten my brothers and sisters, inspire them, I pray, so that we would all continue to seek you and grow in you. We pray this in that beautiful, all-powerful name of Jesus Christ, the name above all other names. Amen. Yeah, tonight is going to be a little bit different. You'll notice there aren't that many notes on your page. That's because we've got room for you to write some things. We are going to take just a few minutes um, and look at spending time with God. And then I'm going to just... Do it. I'm going to give an example up here of how I would spend uh, some quiet time. And hopefully there will be some nuggets here and there for you to learn. I want to, from the start, say that this is not the only way uh, that you can do this. In fact, I encourage you to, to find a variety of ways. But what I do want you to do, as your brother in Christ, and uh, after having this privilege of just being with you on Wednesday nights this summer... And growing to love you, I plead with you, do whatever it takes, and be with God. Spend time with him in his word, in prayer. Uh, yeah. So, let's ask the question, why spend time with God? How many people are saints here? All right. Almost all of you have been here before and you know what we're talking about. We studied the book of Philippians, and at the very start of Philippians, Paul addresses all of the believers in Philippi, and he calls them saints. And that's really important for us to recognize, again, because it's not something that we earn, this title of being a saint. It is our privilege because we have accepted the gift of becoming children of God through Jesus Christ. And we are reckoned, then, as saints because we are Pure through the blood of Jesus. The Father now sees us as holy because the blood of Jesus has been applied on our behalf to cover our sin. Hallelujah. And we now are set apart. And that's the true meaning of saint is one who's set apart unto God. So if you're here and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a saint. Now, the question again, why spend time with God? Well, because as one who's set apart for God, we're not just on a cruise ship now. We're not just on a ride the rest of our time here on earth and uh, waiting for heaven. Scripture is packed with, with the challenge to, to, to be all that you can be, to be all you can be in him, to be transformed, to love one another, to, to serve, to give, on and on. And those things don't come out of us naturally. Our flesh is very much centered on us having pleasure and comfort, and it's uh, really, it's a battle. Now, heaven's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. 
But right now, there is a battle to keep us from being all that we have been called to be and set apart to be in Christ Jesus. And for us to be victorious in this, it requires that we be filled with him. Let's look at some scriptures that uh, expand on this a bit. Number one, spending time with God in his word is the pathway to a blessed life. Look at Psalm 1, 1 to 3 with me. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but, but his delight is where? It's in the law of the Lord, in God's word. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He, the one who does that, will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does he prospers. Love those verses and those promises. If we had the rest of that little chapter, the first chapter of Psalm, it would go on to uh, contrast the life of the evil one, of, of those who don't seek God in his word. And it's quite the stark contrast. They are like chaff, which is just blown away in the wind. And what a beautiful picture, a tree by a river. Love that picture. I love that reality. I, I love sitting down in the shade of a tree that's along a river. You know it's going to be healthy and and strong because it's got plenty of uh, sustenance, water there. And that's what God likens us to if we seek his word. You will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, yielding fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. But again, what makes that happen? His delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it day and night. That's the key. And then Joshua 1.8 This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. So spending time with God in his word is the pathway to a blessed life. It just is. We need the word of God. We need the presence of God. Number two, spending time with God in his word is the pathway to transformation. When we accepted Christ as our Savior, we were immediately transferred into his family. But the complete transformation of our earthly self had just begun. In God's eyes, again, we are pure and perfect and holy because of the blood of Jesus. But learning to walk like that in this world, in this life, that's a challenge. And that's the term sanctification comes there and transformation. And that requires our cooperation and our desire even to have that happen. Spending time in, with God in his word is the pathway to transformation. First Peter 2, 2 says, Like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. I want to grow. I want to I mature. I want to be like Christ. I want to respond to life in a holy way, in a confident, clean way that reflects that I am at peace in him, that his spirit is in me and controlling me. I want to be so full of Jesus that when I'm around other people, he rubs off on them, he pours out of me. But that requires my giving him the opportunity to fill me. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world. Remember, we're supposed to be set apart. That's the whole saint thing. We're set apart from the world unto God. Don't conform to this world. We should not look just like anybody else in the world. We should not act like anyone else in the world. We should not think like the rest of the world. We ought to be different inside and out. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. And how does that happen? Being in the word of God. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the challenge for all of us, to seek him, to seek his word, and become like Jesus. Now, number three, spending time with God in his word is the pathway also to fruitfulness. To fruitfulness. Look at John chapter 15, 1 to 11. Jesus here is speaking to the disciples and he says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Wow. That's quite a statement. God wants our lives to bear fruit. What is fruit? What does that look like? Christ-likeness, the fruits of the Spirit being born out, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, kindness, self-control. That's fruit, but also fruitfulness in bringing the kingdom increase, helping others to grow, helping others to even find the beauty of the gospel and come to him. He wants us to be involved in that. You read it again. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, even then, he's not done with it. Even if you're bearing some fruit, what does he do? He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. He really wants us to be fruity. He wants us to really produce something out of our lives. We should never be content as Christ followers to have received that grandest of all gifts and then just sit back and wait for heaven. That is not what he is asking for from us. That is, a, that is uh, it's actually um, a mockery to have such a great gift given. To then do nothing with that rich. Do you know the parable where the, the, the stewards, the master comes and he gives all the steward, or these stewards some talents is what it's called. And then he goes away for a time and he comes back. And the first guy, he's... He's really done great. He's actually multiplied what was given to him. And what does the master say? Oh, the master is thrilled. And the master blesses him with even more. And the next guy did okay. Remember the third one? The third one said, ah, I was afraid I might lose it, so I just hit it. And what does the master respond with? You evil, evil man. You know I'm a hard man and was going to expect something and you did nothing with what I've given you? Listen, that parable is for us. That story was told so that you and I would say, oh, I guess I ought to get busy. I ought to be doing something with what I've been given. Let me get back to John 15. Okay, uh, verse 2 again. 
Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me. Here's here's what we're talking about tonight. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless... It abides in the vine. This is everything, brothers, sister. I could lay on the guilt trip tonight that you really need to be accomplishing stuff. But if you don't spend time with Jesus, it will be a fruitless endeavor. We do not accomplish things for God of our own efforts. We do not accomplish things for God and for the kingdom of God because we're so wonderful. We see God's kingdom increase and we see fruitfulness when we spend so much time with him that his power and his love and the fruits of the spirit flow through us and God can make a difference in the lives of people around us. It's all contingent upon us abiding with Jesus so he can fill us. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. And isn't this beautiful? Jesus wants us to spend time with him. That's the bottom line of this whole thing. He wants us, wow. He's not asking us to do something really horrible, really drudgery, really. uh, He is inviting us to come. To come and hang out with him. And let him speak to us. And build us up and heal us. And don't we need that? We're all so broken, so twisted in our old flesh. But the more we are with him, the more that heals. The more, the less that old stuff has effect. The less it shows up in our lives. Oh, even as we needed Jesus for redemption, we need Jesus for transformation. We need him to become fruitful. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. I'll just leave that for tonight. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There's a lot of misinterpretation of that verse. There are some who think, boy, they can just pray and ask God whatever. This is all based on first abiding in him. Here's the deal. If you're abiding in Jesus, really abiding in him, you won't ask for silly, selfish things anymore. You will ask for things that will make a difference in the kingdom. You will ask for his kingdom come, his will be done. And he is more than happy answer those prayers but the person that doesn't abide just sees that verse and says well I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna ask for a, a, a fancy car or this or selfish things and God's not gonna honor that and he says that other places in the word verse 7 if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you my father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and that's what we are here for is to glorify him And so you prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Again, do you see what he's calling us to? This is not some kind of drudgery boot camp. He's saying, come, hang out with me. Let me love on you. Let me me give you all that you need. Let me strengthen you. 
encourage you, fill you. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. All right. So this is crucial for us saints. We must spend time with God. We must But the question is, how do you do that? Now, some of you already know the answer. And if that's the case, and you're having wonderful times with the king on a regular basis, God bless you. And I know you'll you'll be excited to have the rest of us talk about this. But our natural man finds this very difficult. Because we are having to overcome what we see. And he's not there visibly sitting down with us. And that takes some doing to overcome that. And then, of course, there's the whole thing that the enemy is trying all that he can try, all that he can do to keep us from spending time with God. Oh, the distractions. Oh, the things that come to mind when I sit down in my, at my desk to spend time in the Word of God. But even that is something that we learn to overcome. And God makes a way. Because he wants this more than we want it. So, we're going to talk for a few minutes more here about about this whole thing. I'm going to give you ideas again. And it's not the end all of of how you spend time with God. In fact, some of you could probably give some some better ideas and... uh, um, after, afterwards, if you've got something that I didn't touch on, please um, let me know or write it down on the card afterward. But, but hopefully there will be something helpful here. And what I don't want us to do is settle for anything less than what will give you the best opportunity to, opportunity to excel in him. The privilege is so grand. And the opportunity is so awesome that we get to spend time with the King of Glory and have him feed us, heal us, and so on. All right. So, first question I want to have us address on this then is, where do you do this? Where do you do this? I'm going to get very, just very practical now. Uh, for me, uh, I have got, I've got a little office upstairs in our home. And uh, it's very quiet. It is well lit. My eyes are pretty bad. And uh, there's very limited distractions there, I know. Pray for me. My, my kids who live on our property are going to replace the single-wide trailer that they and their four children live in uh, with a double-wide, which we're so pumped for them. But in the meantime, they're going to move in with Grandma and Grandpa. So I'm going to have to get creative probably because where they're going to stay is where my office is. So, uh, yeah, but it's all right. Uh, it's worth it. Uh, but find some place with limited distraction. Limited distraction. Uh, Susanna Wesley, uh, if you ever heard of John and Charles Wesley. Charles was a profound uh, hymn writer John was a great preacher and theologian. Their mother, uh, Susanna Wesley, she had, I forget if it was a dozen kids or more, something like that. And she would sit in the kitchen and raise her apron up over her head. And that was where she got away from all those yahoos to spend time with God. But she gave that example that they saw her doing that. They saw her do whatever it takes to still be a responsible mom, but find some way to focus on the Word of God. And that's what, we, what I'm challenging you to do. Find a place. And then when do you do this? When's the best time? Now, again, there's going to be different answers for this, and pe- each of us are different in how we're made up. I tell you what, for me, it's got to be the first of the morning. If I try and have devotions at night... It is 
really likely that things are going to happen, stuff is going to happen, it's going to get interrupted, I'm going to be exhausted, I'm going to start falling asleep as I'm trying to, to spend time. I, uh, but you may be different. But be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. And if, and if you need to, do whatever you've got to do to find the best time. For most of us, it is going to be first thing in the morning. What I do is I get up, I hop in the shower, so I get awakened and clean and fresh and ready to go. I have breakfast so that I'm not sitting there with my stomach rumbling. I don't eat too much so that I'm not weighted down. And I grab my coffee. This is important because it wakes me up. It helps wake me up. I'm not sure how healthy that is, that I've become where I'm dependent on that. But I only do one cup a day, okay? But get coffee, whatever. But the key here is we want to be as alert as possible. And this is a prime time for me. That's a prime time. Some people, I guess, really struggle to wake up in the morning to get going no matter what. But for most of us, I think you're going to find that to be really a helpful time. What do I need when I sit down for this? What do we need? Okay, that's what this is for. Of course, the first thing we need is the Word of God. And I've got my Bible here tonight. And um, I want to highly recommend you find a study Bible. Now, study Bible just means that somebody, somebody hopefully that's really wise and uh, learned in the Lord and in the Word, has taken the time to put together notes and insights that will give you some help in understanding passages that you read. Now, it's really crucial for us not just to depend on somebody else to tell us everything about the Word of God. It's really valuable for us to do digging ourselves, okay? But I, at the same time, love after I've done my own digging to, to look down and see, okay, what has is, what is he had to say about this? Now, my, my personal choice, and again, you might have somebody different that you've found that you really respect and value. I'm a John MacArthur fan. I don't agree with everything that he says, but I love most of what he says, and I know that his heart is to be, his passion, his whole life is to be as accurate as possible with the Word of God. And so I have, I have found uh, his study Bible, the John MacArthur study Bible, to be a really good tool for me. Again, you find what is best for you. Uh, there's also the question of what version do you use? There's, there's versions, there's paraphrases. I, I, I want to encourage you to find a version and not a paraphrase. Paraphrases are uh, where someone has been really loose uh, to bring what the Bible says into the English language. And those can be nice to just have, you know, after you've done your study and found what the real truth of the Bible is, see what someone else had to think about it, uh, how they put it into their words. But you want, uh, want to be careful when you do your study to, to find a version that is truly based as closely as possible on the Greek and Hebrew, the actual texts uh, in the original language. I, I went to... Bible college and seminary, so I had the advantage of sitting under guys who, uh, actually one of, one of my uh, professors in seminary uh, was called on for one of the more recent tran- translations of Scripture. Um, and the, the um, advice that I got is the New American Standard uh, is uh, probably the most according to, the, to begin to my teachers, is the most accurate just going directly from the original language to English. Uh, you'll find others who might disagree with that, and that's fine. And again, I'm just telling you my personal opinion, and, and uh, it's not gospel. But the New American Standard updated version, it says updated 1995, uh, is my, my favorite personally. 
The New King James is good. Uh, there's, there's other good versions as well. Okay, so we get a, we get a Bible. Then I also am going to grab pens and pencils. I've got my own little nifty bag for my pens and pencils. And I, because I'm still a child in some ways, have all kinds of colored markers. Now listen, there's a, actually a very good reason for those. I, I want to recommend to you, um, mark up your Bible. Uh, if, if it will help you to remember and to find truths and values in the Word of God, go for it. God is not offended when you mark in a Bible. In fact, you're telling him, man, I, I want to remember this, so I'm, I'm going to do what, whatever it takes. And if that's helpful to you, it's, it's very helpful to me. So I've got highlighters, markers, um, pens and pencils. I've also got journal, and they've got nifty, you can just use a, a spiral notebook, uh, but I, I like getting a nice leather-bound uh, journal, make sure it opens nice so you can write in it without uh, it being a challenge, and I'll tell you more in a little bit about why I would have a journal, what, what I use that for. And then the other thing that I, I use in my quiet time is a three-by-five card and these are because I'm memorizing the Word of God. And these are so helpful for reviewing the verses that I am memorizing. Okay? I've also got these nifty little um, post-it sticky things, different colors. And I can mark spots in my Bible with those. If, and again, if you don't want to physically mark the Bible, but just put something to, to find where you were last time you were reading. These guys are really helpful as well. Okay. Another thing that's handy is a dictionary uh, because once in a while you'll run into something you're not sure about or to have your uh, phone there with uh, uh, Siri or whatever. All right. So you get those things and you sit down. What do you study? Where do you begin? The Word of God is really big. There's lots of stuff. Where do you start? Well, I highly recommend reading through the Bible in a year. And there's numerous plans for, the, for that. I like the one that has where you, where you read in the Old Testament a section and you also read some in the New Testament. Then if you're in, uh, you know, getting into um, Leviticus or Deuteronomy and it's really rough uh, tough reading, you've got something fresher and a little more enjoyable in the New Testament usually uh, uh, that has more uh, immediate application for your life today. Um, yeah, so read through the Bible in a year, I highly recommend. That's what I do. But then I, I've added on to that, uh, just for me personally, and again, you know what you can handle, but I want you to really, I want to encourage you to push yourself. I read a chapter of Proverbs every day. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. And so um, I'm finding just because that gives these wise, wise sayings that even though I've read them over and over, there will be something that applies to my life. So I'll read a chapter a day. So today was the 30th. I read chapter 30 of uh, Proverbs along with my through the Bible stuff. I also read a psalm every day, and that's just because I think um, getting, they're mostly uh, praise and worship. It's just really a valuable thing to spend time, extra time in psalm as well. Then, on top of those, those are what I just read every day. On top of that, then, I pick a specific book that I study. Now, again, you don't have to do this, and if that's a little much, if you're just starting out on the whole process, you might want to just, out of the reading that you're doing of reading through the Bible in a year, study just a little portion of, of something that stood out to you in the reading for that day. Does that make sense? Uh, that's an option. For me, though, I'm, I've, I'm right now in the book of Hebrews. And so what I do, I finish reading the through the Bible stuff. I read the chapter of Proverbs, uh, a chapter of Psalm. And then I turn to Hebrews wherever I've stopped 
And I really start to dig in there and do some study as opposed to just reading. Um, I'm, I'm continuing to, through the Bible to, give, to just keep fresh the overall picture of the Word of God. And then I'm doing a little extra digging in a book at a time. After Hebrews, I'm not even sure where I'm going next. Um, I want to encourage you if, you, if this sounds good to you and you want to just start with some book, read, begin studying the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is just so full of the basic foundational understandings for Christian life. If you're, if you're not real experienced, if, it's, if you're fairly new at this study in the Bible, start there. It, it would, you'll find it really rich and uh, helpful. But you can start wherever you want. That's just a recommendation, okay? All right. So, now here's what it looks like when I do that, okay? I've had breakfast. I come up with my coffee. I've sat down at my desk. And I want to challenge you always, always begin this time with thanksgiving and praise. As you approach God, this is a, I think, a really important part of this. Remember when Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray, how does, how does the Lord's Prayer start? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's the right way to approach God. Hallowing his name. Worshiping him. Adoring him. And in uh, Psalm 100, it says this. And it won't be on the screen. I'll just read this for you. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And then here's this line that is good to remember. You're coming into his presence. And this was always the steps of coming into the temple for the Israelites. They would enter his gates with thanksgiving in their hearts. And then into his courts with praise. I think that's just a a very simple but helpful model for how you should approach your morning as you're coming into his presence to be in his word. Start with thanksgiving. Stop and think about how good he has been to you. Uh, Recite and recount the blessings that you have in your life, including your salvation and the freedom and the freedom to come boldly to his throne, to even do this, to sit down this morning and and spend time with him. Thank him for that privilege because it is that. It's awesome. And we always have so much to be thankful for, even if we're in the middle of suffering, don't we? We have the hope of heaven. We have his steadfast love. We have the presence of his Holy Spirit. Begin your time with thanksgiving. It will transform your mind from being easily distracted and off thinking about the things that have to happen today if you turn your attention to giving him thanks for his generosity and then move into praise. So we're thanking him first for how good he's been and then we are praising him, not for what he's giving to us. We are praising. Praise is different than thanksgiving. It is saying you are worthy of adoration and blessing and glory. No matter what's happening in your life that day, this remains true, doesn't it? He is always, always worthy. And if we can start our time that that way, with thanksgiving and praise, you will find yourself in much better frame of mind to then hear from his spirit. I'll actually sing, uh, I've wrote a little ditty that I I sing whenever I sit down to be with him. 
Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Forever you will be exalted. Forever you will be adored. That's my little ditty. That's my little offering to him. I just worship him. And you can make something like that. Or if you've heard some song that you love worshiping with, I encourage you to do that too. Take some time to really just adore him. Okay? Now, just real quick then, how do we actually study the word of God? Uh, Craig, if you'd bring up the uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 verses again for us. There they are. So I would take, uh, let's say I'm studying through Romans at this point, I would take those couple verses and I would sit down. And there's um, actually, when they offer again a class here at church, and I, I saw they did a year ago, there's a thing called hermeneutics. Okay, it's a big, big, uh, big shot word. It simply means learning how to study the Bible. Learning how to study writing. Studying the Word of God is just really digging to find out exactly what is being said. If we misread something, we lose. And the Word of God is so rich that I still am, and will continue for the rest of my life, discovering more and more. I love that John MacArthur talks about that. I mean, that guy spends Hours upon hours in the word of God. And he says he's still discovering things. And it's, it's so, again, why I love listening to him preach. Because he's, he's got even way more um, time put in knowing the word of God. And insights that bring more understanding to what it has to say. But learning how to study something is the key And it takes time and it takes exercise just like anything else if you want to become good at it. But if they offer a class on hermeneutics, take the class. Out of of all my years of Bible college and seminary, eight years of of studying stuff, the most valuable class that I had in all that time was the class of hermeneutics because I still have principles that I learned from that that apply so important to carefully examining the Word of God and coming to understand the truth. Okay, so what we're wanting to do is observe carefully what is being said. And that requires asking questions sometimes. Uh, now here, the, the, this couple of verses starts off saying, therefore, I urge you. Uh, it's very important when you see the word therefore to know what it was there for. That's right. So you need to have some understanding of what was said before it. So unless, if I don't remember what I just read before, and this is, what, this is my passage that I'm really going to study, I, I glance back and take a few minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where he was going with this, okay? All right, so let's, let's just, uh, but we'll pick up from here. We've only, I, actually, my time's about up here. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. The first thing I notice there is, Paul says, I urge you. I urge you. Just just that word in itself, that's really important. This is something that he feels really, really strongly about. He's not just making a suggestion. He's urging them, brethren. And you can hear that pleading. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. So he's saying there, by the mercies of God. What's he saying there? He's saying, with God's help and by his mercy, this is something you can do. You'll need God's mercy for this, what he's about to say. Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. I am to present my body a 
a living and holy sacrifice. And I think by body here, he's speaking about my whole being, not just the physical body, but who I am as a living and holy sacrifice. My whole being, who I am, ought to be, here's this word holy, which is from that same root that saint comes from, set apart for God. That's holy. My, my body ought to be a holy sacrifice. I ought to be set apart as a sacrifice unto God. Acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Wow. This is what I should be doing. This is my service of worship. I say I worship God, I say I love Him. Well, I ought to be giving my entire self in this life as a living sacrifice. To him. And there's, I'm just doing this very briefly. I hope you're, you're catching that. I'm just really mulling over what these words are saying specifically and how they, how, how does it apply to my life? What does God want from me? That's what we're doing when we're reading the word. We're trying to discern, oh God, what do you want? What do you want me to know? What do you want from me? Then verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world. To be conformed to this world means I, I just let it affect me. I end up fitting right in. Hmm. He doesn't want me doing that. That is not acceptable. Do not be conformed. Be different. Do whatever it takes to be set apart from that. Back to that holy sacrifice thing. Instead, be transformed by renewing your mind. Okay, do you, do you see what I'm doing here? I'm just, I'm just really taking time to mold these things and consider them in context of what else is being said there. And I'm in the process, by the way, I, I, I missed a step that I should tell you. Make sure as you begin this time, as you open the word, ask him to speak to you. Invite him. Tell him, I give myself to you in this time. Lord, please speak to me. Enlighten me. Give me understanding. What does James chapter 1 say? It says, if you lack wisdom, ask and he'll give it. I think that applies here, don't you? I, I lack understanding. I lack wisdom sometimes of the word. Ask and he'll give it. Now, we still ought to be digging, but we can count on if we really are applying ourselves, seeking you will find. He wants you to gain. He wants you to understand. He will meet you here in this time, in this endeavor. Amen? Uh, brothers and sisters, I love you. I really do. It's been a delight this summer spending these Wednesday evenings with you. You've been very gracious and kind to, to listen to me uh, this summer. And I, I truly hope that it's been a helpful time for you. Many of you have said that. And thank you so much for your kindness and encouragement. I will continue to be praying for you. Please be praying for me. I don't know uh, when Wendy's going to ask me to do teaching again, uh, but uh, I am really grateful for this time and, and truly do love you and have enjoyed this time. I'd like to pray. I'm sorry. Let me say one more thing. As you do this study, Write things out. That's where we get to the journal part, okay? I highly recommend, because writing something requires you to think through it even more to be able to articulate, to put it down. Journaling, it doesn't have to be something that you will publish. It's just you 
recording your thoughts. You can go back later and be reminded of things that you were learning or or uh, uh, being encountered with in that time that day that you were in the Word of God. Write down questions that you have as you're reading because there will be some things that you won't understand yet in, in that time. But journal. And in the process of that journaling also, I, and uh, even after you journal, then pray over what you've discovered. Pray the things that you've just come to understanding or been reminded of. Pray through those. That's what we'll do now. Let's try it again, Lord. Let, we bow before you. Love you, Lord. Love your word. Love time with you. It has become a grand joy. Even though when I was young, it was a, it seemed like something I had to do. But you have met me there. And it's become a habit. And even greater, it has become a delight. You've done that, Lord. As I've made myself available, you have done that. And I pray, O oh Lord, that you would do that in my brothers and sisters. Some of them I know are already doing this. And I pray that you continue to bless them and meet with them and, and bring great understanding and transformation to their lives and fruitfulness in and through their lives. But Lord, for all of us, help us. And when we are tempted to, to slough off, or when we've failed and we've, we have sloughed off and we've been uh, foolish and not taken time, by your Spirit, call us. Be merciful, Lord. Call us back. Help us to not allow the enemy to, to beat us up, shame us with that, but recognize and get right back at it, get right back with you. We need you. And tonight we confess that, O oh Lord. We need you. We want you. Bless my brothers and sisters, I pray, as they seek you. Again, in your name, Jesus, we pray this. Amen.